Hi, I'm Rachel Monteleone and welcome to Kittypedia, the podcast. I'm not an expert. However, I do speak with them with the view of providing you with expert information and advice to help you be the best parent that you can be. Together, let's give children the life they deserve and a positive future. Hello and welcome. Well, relationships, as we know, can be complicated and complex. You know, I don't think anyone enters into a marriage with the intention of wanting it to end in divorce, especially when there are children involved. You know, divorce can be very unfortunate. However, it's not all too uncommon. You know, did you know that 33% of all Australian marriages are expected to end in divorce? You know, there's no doubt the toll of ongoing lockdowns has put a strain on many couples over the past year and will be, I guess, a contributing factor to anticipated rise in divorce rates. So if you're currently going through a separation or are possibly considering it and or are a friend or a family member of someone in that situation and you're looking for tips on how you can help them or help yourself go through separation in an amicable manner while you're in the right place. To help share her expert tips and advice, we welcome our special guest today, Kirsty Salvestro, family lawyer, mediator, and divorce guide, and the author of the book, What Are We Fighting For? Thank you for joining us today. How are you? I'm good. Thank you, Rachel. Thank you for having me. Now, you're an expert in providing uh, separating couples with a peaceful pathway. I mean, how easily and realistic is this and can it be achieved? Look, um, Rachel, I've been working um, in the family law area for over 18 years now and more recently in the last four years have just primarily moved into the more peaceful methods and what is more peaceful is the out-of-court methods. Um, It's very achievable. Um, The couples that I've been working with over the past four years, it's been very successful. Um, I often will find um, that people might come in with more of a a negative or non-peaceful attitude at the start and it's really about where with them and helping them along that pathway and keeping them, you know, on the peaceful pathway, as I call it. Yeah. And as we're just uh, chatting offline before, you know, the the lens and I guess the um, the motivation of what your business is is about in and helping families to to be able to find a, a peaceful pathway through um through separation is just so refreshing. So I have to congratulate um you for that um in, in general. Um now I just um wanted to acknowledge that there um was an Australian study recently which will um provide a link to in the show notes, the study reported that a whopping 71% of divorcees blame something called effective issues for the cause of the marital breakdown. Those issues including communication problems being the highest of 27%, loss of connection and infidelity trust issues. So, you know, when communication issues, um, as we can see, are the most common cause of marriage breakdowns, you know, how difficult would it be to make it to make it work and to be able to to, to be able to find a, a, like a peaceful pathway through through that? When I guess when the communication itself was the issue that led to to the breakdown, you know, n- no doubt this would be a real challenge. Yeah, look, Rachel, when I work with couples, um, I very much work on themselves. So we all know that in in any conversation, um, any negotiation, any discussion, um, it's it's about how we hold ourselves, I believe, and how that, you know, the decisions we make and the 
um, the way that we choose to act will then have an impact. Um, the reason I say that um, is I really focus on behaviour. So, yes, um, often um, um, marriage has broken down, primarily communication issues. And so then you would expect that when you get to the negotiating or talking about separation that those communication issues are going to flow on. Um, and they do, but this is really a time for people to look forward and go, um, you know, how can I improve my communication with my ex-spouse in order to be able to have some really great discussions to be able to look at the picture that I'm looking for in the future? I mean, with divorce, I believe we need to change the way that we see divorce. It doesn't necessarily have to be a negative thing. Often people have separated for those reasons that you've rightly said, and they're very unhappy. There's a lot of emotion involved. But what I try and get couples to focus on is looking at the bigger picture, looking at, you know, what they want in their life in five years' time. And that clearly may not be the other person in their life, but it may be um, that they will especially if there's children, need a relationship where they and a, a, the ability to communicate because they've got young children yeah. or they they actually want to remain friends with that person. They just can't live with them anymore. So it's very much about you choosing how you respond to a conversation. So very much focus on people, um, you know, choosing their, the right responses. So it very obviously avoiding negative responses or very reactive responses, you know, thinking about the text messages you're sending. Are they necessary or are they they unkind? Do you need to do that? How can you reframe those conversations? Um, so, yes, I know obviously a lot of the time those big problems have come from the marriage and we then do work on them in, in the actual separation process. Mm, okay. Now, lots of other questions to get through, um, but before we do that, I just wanted to acknowledge we published your article and the title is Four Tips to Achieve an Amicable Settlement. Now, for someone who hasn't read the article yet, can you please tell us what it's about and, of course, what inspired you to write it? Look, um, I guess it's my all my work at the moment and the reason for writing my book is to just get the message out there to people going through separation or people supporting someone going through separation that there are ways to stay amicable because that's often the biggest question I get. How do we stay amicable and why? Um, so the article was very much based around um, trying to give people, um, you know, four tips of how to actually, you know, stay on in, and stay amicable and achieve a, a peaceful pathway. Um, some of the tips that, that I had um, that I've put into the article, um, the main one is pretty much what I just, um, very much what I spoke about just then about, you know, how you behave, you know, be really civil and show respect. Um, it's very much about focusing on your actions, your choices, your behaviour and how you're going to deal with this process and how you want to be seen at the end of that process. One of the other, you know, there's four tips. So the second tip that um, I put in the article, I have lots of tips, so these are definitely my top ones when we're talking about amicable, um, is we talk about, I, I call it getting legal information, not just legal advice. Now, the reason I say that, and, and sometimes that sounds um, confusing to people because they sound like the same thing, but they're not. Um, legal advice, obviously, is if you've got a really tricky legal issue or even you just need to understand the legal issues, you go in, you speak to a lawyer and you get advice um, and you get legal advice. What I really encourage people to do is before they necessarily get that, unless there is a really tricky legal issue that they need immediately resolved um, or an urgent issue, to actually just gather all the information. So the information might be, um, you know, the processes that are available to them in separation, the support networks that are available, getting all that information and then realising well, what 
questions do I actually need to ask my lawyer and do I need in that to that legal advice and what is it? Um, rather than just going straight into a lawyer's office because, you know, I really find there's so many wonderful support networks available to separated couples that should be done before you start negotiating because we need to get our behaviour right and our mindset right before we can negotiate. Um, the third one um, is a huge one and it's really actually quite hard for people and it is the willingness to compromise. Um, the thing about my process and I, I think every other mediator and lawyer out there is um, we need people to come in not with just necessarily a one-frame mindset. Um, the mindset of just coming in and saying, this is what I want and I, I won't be unhappy if I don't get it, you need to look outside of that. When I talk about um, you know, getting that information, then you will often create so many more options. So the options um, for you, there's usually more than one. <laughs> and the thing is, some people don't realise that. So it's about being willing to compromise. But in that compromise, you need to look and explore every option that's available to you in the in, in your um, in your own story. Um, and then finally, the last one was looking forward, not backwards, which I talked about earlier. I'm very much about looking to the future. Um, we need to not just look in the now when, you know, I need money now or I need to, you know, this to happen now. It needs to be about what picture do you want to create in five years' time for you and your family? Mm. So we'll have, um, of course, the link through to your article in the show notes for everyone to go and, and have a, a, a great read because you really do expand um, beautifully on all of those four points in the article. Um, so thank you for allowing us to publish that for you. Um, but, yes, definitely anyone watching and listening, you'll be able to obviously click on the link and have a read of, uh, of the article. Um, moving on from that, um, I also just wanted to establish, I mean, and, and, and just talk about, I guess, it's the stats um, that show that mental health and behavioural problems really are, are twice as likely to be reported by separated um, sort of uh, and divorced individuals. I just wanted to understand what, what's been your experience and your exposure with this because mental health is obviously, yeah. it's so much more than a buzzword. It's just something that is, it's yeah. you know, yeah. affecting all of us, you know, in, in some yeah. way, shape, or form. It's just with what we're living through at the moment through the pandemic. But, um, you know, what, what's your experience and exposure to, to this? Look, um, I mean, obviously working with separated couples for 18 years, um, I also, mm. and I, I very openly say in my book, I was a child of separation and I've been through separation myself. Um, the, the thing is you see um, the impact of, of separation um, has a huge impact on people. I've seen couples, individuals, couples, anyone who's going through the process in the court scenario um, have significant long-term mental health issues. Um, obviously, it's a very emotional time for a couple going through. And unfortunately, um, you know, if you're going through the process in a really negative way, that absolutely compounds upon all the emotions and all the negativity. Um, the stress involved, I mean, even just the very start of a family law matter, somebody receiving a letter, and if anyone's out that's listening and has been through this, they'll know what I'm talking about, receiving a letter from a lawyer um, on the other side that says things in there, that even if it's said in a calm way, can be offensive, it can be hurtful, it creates stress. Then you have the next thing of, okay, what? how do I respond? And that creates the stress and the anxiety. You know, what are they going to do next? Um, how's this going to work? And, you know, just sitting there waiting for that next letter or response to come, it just creates so much stress, even at that bottom level. And then, as I said, when we get to that level of court, um, it, the amount of stress that it has for people, 
Um, I've had couples who, are, you know, really sadly have, you know, been in a witness box and broken down so much that we had to adjourn proceedings and they were admitted to hospital for stress-related issues. It's, wow. you know, it can be huge, absolutely huge. And and I guess I got to a point where I just wanted to find a way that we can, as much as possible, avoid that. I mean, I realise there are still some cases that do absolutely need to be in a courtroom and I don't deny that but what I want to do is reduce the number of cases that are unnecessarily getting to that point. Mm. And as we were just discussing earlier too so even if it's not you that's going through it it's a family or a friend um, anyone within your 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 circles and your networks as well Um, it's very it's so hard seeing someone that you love dearly go through something like this and it's so hard to know what to say and how to say it as well um is there any advice you can give to anyone that's watching and listening um that's in that situation they yeah it's just it's it's really because you you get to the point where you don't want to offend them it's just the Mm. context and the tone because a lot of the time you're not privy to to what's actually happening throughout and yeah. the day oh, do you really want to know them it's more the fact that you're just concerned for, for your loved one um but you just yeah. don't know where to start yeah you know? look I, I think the big thing and I get asked that question a lot because a lot of people that I by my friends and family do know people that are going through that and even and clients the biggest thing I can can say um is that it really comes down to being to listening and being supportive um, and to avoid any of those mm. negative or inflammatory type conversations. Often I get someone, like the people you that you need in your corner are ones that are going to help you think very practically and very calmly. You really don't want, even though they might love you and it's coming from a great place, to be having a conversation with someone that's saying, let's rip their head off or they're, they're a horrible person. So we really need to remove all the negative conversations around it and actually start trying to help them look at the positive things about moving on and what life's going to look like. So really the best thing they can do is just be supportive. They don't need everyone's horror stories because everybody's story is different and everybody's story will will come out in a different way everyone has different facts so very much about just you know if anyone has to give that advice to someone get them to get the support keep them calm keep them focused and look into the future not backwards yeah great advice great advice it's it's easier said than done sometimes too isn't it especially if they're making decisions and doing things that you you know that's their choice it's free will they can say and do what they want to do but if you can see someone heading down one track track which is only just because of the hurt and the anguish that they're going through all you can do is just you know fill them with love light and positivity and just let them know that you're there would you say Absolutely. Uh, you know, support is one of the biggest things that people need through separation. They shouldn't be doing it alone. Um, you know, so being there, being supportive, just listening when they need someone to talk to. Um, as I said, I, I don't think they need the, the horror stories and, and, you know, anything else. I think they really just Details. need someone who will listen, understand and provide support. Mm. Yeah, and sometimes too just to take their mind off it as well. <laughs> just yeah. talk about yeah. anything about that also. <laughs> yeah, well, even just encouraging them to do things that make them happy. You know, I, I talk to people about, you know, massage or yoga or walking or running or the things that you just need to get out instead of yeah. constantly focusing on your separation. There's take lots your mind of off little it. things that people can do. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so, I mean, what do you personally find are some of the biggest mistakes that couples make when they're actually going through their separation then? Yeah. Look, um, you know, I the biggest ones I, you know, and I would say would be um, you know, choosing to use um, 
I guess, negative emotions. Um, it's such, I mean, that's the wrong way to put it. I don't know if they're choosing to use them, but um, allowing those negative emotions to come through, such as anger and hatred, rather than, um, you know, maybe pulling back and trying to be more compassionate and understanding and acknowledging. Um, I'm not saying that um, there isn't hurt and there isn't a reason why someone might feel very angry. But to be honest, the biggest thing you could do is to let go of any anger and hatred and, and choose forgiveness and kindness because it will have a massive impact for you, not just the other person. Yes, they get the benefit potentially of your kindness there or your understanding, um, but you will actually be able to look at things in a much more positive light and, mm. and move on. Um, as part of that, another big mistake, people, you know, it, the blame game, um, I call it the blame game, I suppose. It's absolutely true that in many situations there is some a reason why a, a couple of their marriage has broken down. Um, but I ask people to really avoid just constantly focusing on that negativity of why they separated. You know, there's often if we really look inside ourselves and think honestly there's usually a reason why a marriage is broken down and it's not always just one person um there's as you say could have been communication issues that may have then led to um you know people not working well together anymore and potentially someone you know um does move on um you know and there's lots of little things there that I guess I say to people that if you sit there and just blame the other person, you become negative and you 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 come into that. So that's a big thing. Um, obviously, you know, my, my my comment I made before, another big mistake is that jumping straight into really drastic action or legal action, I think, is a big one. Um, you know, a big mistake could be that you might choose the wrong lawyer. Um, there are some amazing lawyers out there that are wonderful litigants, but, you know, are they the right person for you? Mm. What sort of person you're looking for? So a big mistake is just jumping in or even, you know, transferring assets or stopping, you know, contact with children, all these big decisions that are going to have a long-term effect. People need to pull themselves back and think about, you know, whether that's that's a good action. So that, that's a big one. Um, and, yeah, look, as I say, taking that, you know, ne- unnecessary or immediate action can be a really big mistake because it itself, let's say someone transfers money or an asset, it just creates mistrust. Um, it create you know starts everything on a negative tone, um, and then you potentially then you people jump straight into lawyers and start doing these because these things have happened and they feel they need to protect themselves. It's trying to you know build that trust back up, but in a different way. We need to look at separation as a new relationship with that person, and you want that one to be as positive as possible, especially if you've got children, because you're going to spend a lot of time with them in the future, communicating, talking about children, going to weddings or graduations, whatever it might be. And you want to be able to look them in the eye, hopefully, and and be able to sit at the same table for the sake of your children. Mm-hmm. Interesting what you're saying about the blame game. And I think uh, in a perce- perception and looking at things from a different um, point of view is, is such a powerful thing. But, of course, you know, taking responsibility um, as well for, for, for ourselves and, and as you, you know, rightly said, you know, it takes two to tango as well, depending on the situation. So it can be really quite difficult to no doubt to, to be present with yourself and to emotionally regulate to accept that maybe something was potentially partly you're doing as well. So not only are you going through, you know, the separation and and everything else that comes with it, but then you've actually got to sit and, and be still with yourself to actually have that empathy instead of look at it from the other perspective and look yeah. at, you know, how has my actions, my words, my everything that I've done affected my partner that's led us to this situation. So there's, it's a, it's a, there's a lot of deep diving that people would have yeah. to go through. 
Absolutely. And that's a huge one. It's very much about, you know, trying to switch that negative answers to everything. So, I mean, obviously things have happened, but rather than blaming yourself or blaming them or doing any of those things, let's put a really negative, you know, positive thing on this going, well, if that hadn't have happened, then maybe my life would be different and, you know, it moves in a different way. I think it's about really trying to remove the negative answers as to the whys and the blaming people and, and, trying your best which I know is very hard I promise Mm. you I've I've been there it's really difficult and I'm not saying that it's easy but you know it's such a um, a challenge for people and if they can choose that challenge rather than the fighting and the the court and the lawyers then they will be much better off down the down the future down the the track and there's always just that saying that if we don't learn our life lessons I'll just keep repeating them until (laughs) we do learn it Uh, so it's one of those things as you said earlier that when we are wanting to move forward to um you know to another new relationship whenever that may be you don't want to make the same mistakes again but you have to learn in the first place what it is and what the mistake is so you can fix it so it's there's a lot. I mean, there's a lot of compounding things happening when people are separating. It's it's, it's um, going through all of that, of course, with with their separated partner, but then going through all of that internal work themselves as well. It's incredible. Um, yeah. You know, what is also this the the peaceful pathway that you talk about in your book? I'd love to learn a little bit more about this. Okay. Yeah. Look, um, it's very practical. Um, I worked, I found that I was working through a process with my couples, um, especially in my mediation settings, because I work as a family lawyer and also a mediator. Um, And I do love the mediation setting um, since I've moved more into that. But I found myself working through, you know, a six step. uh, And I found that if they followed that, it really had much better outcomes at the end and also a much better process and it was much less stressful for people um so I've written my book what are we fighting for it incorporates that six the six steps um so the first step um is staying calm and to be honest that's pretty much all the stuff we've just been talking about mm. um, you know getting support networks in place, thinking about your behaviour. So I work with couples on, I call it a behaviour guide, so really setting their own, you know, rule about how they're going to behave through this entire process. For themselves? Um, For them- yes, themselves. It's all about yourself. Um, yeah. It's very hard to make somebody else do it, but I often find that if you yourself can follow a particular pathway and set the example of behaviour, um, it, it does have an impact. Um, and we also, I also work on their morals at that point as well. So really thinking about, you know, what if some people say like, my top moral is forgiveness, yet we get into a mediation and they, they can't <laughs> forgive something and you've got to work on that and go, well, let's, let's look back at your morals and work on what, you know, how you want to put that into the, into this scenario. Um, so step one is very much about just kind of pulling everyone down. I, I wrote this book on the basis that I had a lot of people saying, you know, what do I do? As soon as you separate, no one has no idea. So it's to walk them through the entire process in the kindest, calmest possible way. So step one, very organised, staying calm, looking at behaviour. Step two is about preparing, um, you know, preparing yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is yes, maybe checking in with, with some of those support networks, whether it might be you need to talk to an accountant or a counsellor or do some family courses, those sorts of things. I've got tips in there for, for people as to how and where they can access all those resources. Um, step Three is gathering. So that's gathering all your information that you need. Now, a lot of people go straight to a lawyer to do this, but I just want people to be able to know that there's a lot of this stuff that they can do on their own. Um, so where they find that information, what they really need, and they'll ha- they can actually get it all together. 
Um, my fourth step is exploring. So we then move into, uh, as I said about when we're talking about compromise and options, really looking at all the possible options that you might have available in your scenario, drawing in on all that stuff you've gathered. So a financial planner or an accountant's advice that you may have gotten and what, how we can apply that to your scenario. Um, and then my last steps are um, negotiate and finalise. So the negotiate phase is very much of using all that work that you've done um, and then getting into a negotiation. Now, I walk people through being able to sit down together and negotiate, but obviously then there's also the option if you don't feel you can do it between the two of you to, you know, use a mediator or a um, kind lawyer, as I call them, um, <laughs> to, to negotiate. And then the, the um, last step is to finalise. Um, so that's my pathway and I, and I call it that and all my work, whether it's my mediations or my family law, um, you know, my collaborative family law matters um, are all very much just following that pathway and I think it really works for people. So. Mm, thank you for sharing that and um, we'll have a link in the show notes obviously for anyone that wants to buy your book and wants to reach out to you as well. Just before we sign off, I just wanted to um just, just chat about, I guess, the, the current state of play and, and where, we, where we are at the moment. And heaven knows how long we're going to be in these scenarios with COVID. Mm. Um, in doing prep um, for this chat today, I, I saw that there was um, some stats um, from the separation guide that showed it's a whopping 314% increase in the number of couples thinking about separating during lockdown. So there are, you know, a lot of concerns, of course, this whole COVID crisis um, is is generating what what we're anticipating, um, you know, sort of at the moment, this rise in, in the coming months and years. And, of course, compounding with that, we're, we're likely to potentially have, you know, a potential um, recession on top of that as well. So I just wanted to get your thoughts generally on just this increase. And, of course, you know, with a focus on looking at things, at, you know, from a, a peaceful perspective and, and, and things, I mean, it, obviously everything is worth saving. Um, so, and, you know, if relationships should have the opportunity for that. I just wanted to, to just touch on that for the moment to get what your thoughts are on this on this whole trend. Yeah. Look, it's it's um I think it's only gonna get worse. I mean, look, we've had lots of speculation about um, you know, what's gonna happen with with couples and we have with family law. Um, we talk about, I mean, obviously stress and all those things impacted financial pressures, job losses, all those things through COVID, even just being locked in the same house if you're not getting along well. Um, I think you, you know, will have a long-term impact. But I think that's we're going to see that a little bit later down the track when everything does open back up. A lot of people are not making massive, you know, big life-changing decisions at the moment. They might mm. be worried about finances all in the same home and don't have many options to be able to relocate or whatever it might be. So I think the impact's actually going to be worse over the next 12 to, you know, 12 months to two years because that's where everything's going to. Everyone's going to make those decisions and they're going to have more options available to them um, to to do that mm. so um I mean I guess the thing that I try and work on with couples is if they are thinking about that or they're worried I mean the reason I wrote the book was I I honestly just feel that you know people spend so much time and money um fighting in family law when I think there's like as I said, you know, I've worked it so that couples can actually work through the entire process on their own and, and go through that without having to spend a lot of money. But if they get stuck, I've, you know, got, they've got the help, but trying to reduce the amount of money that they're spending on mm -hmm. legal fees and on the fighting and, you know, even the tips in there to save money, if you are going down a litigation pathway, they still will help you because the less, you know, aggression and fighting in there, the, hopefully the less, you know, you're going to spend on, on legal fees. Of course. Um, so, yeah, I would hope that maybe 
maybe using my methods or people following my process, even if they do it on their own, might might be helpful if there is an influx, um, which we really, we unfortunately do expect that that will happen, happen. in the coming years. Yeah. 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 Um, I also read that Relationships Australia released a, a survey in 2020 uh, last year that found that 42% of respondents stated that being stuck home in lockdown and prolonged periods of isolation had negatively impacted their relationship with their partner. So no doubt that even if people haven't, as you just stated, uh, haven't necessarily taken that step to to formally separating um, and 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 starting that process, they have been thinking about it. So, but no doubt, as as you were saying before, there are um, ways to peacefully um, to navigate this through, you know. Thankfully, for like people like yourself and these books that, that, yeah. that are available, and divorce can be expensive. Also, as you just mentioned, so what would be, I guess, the average cost of family um, family law litigation? I just, I'd be fascinated to know. Yeah, look, I mean, according to statistics, it's um, unfortunately between fifty thousand to a hundred thousand dollars that people lot are of money. So between 50 a lot of money, and that's each. That's each. So potentially, you what? could be up for a couple. Yeah, spending more than that. Look, I, I would say that it depends on the type of lawyer you get. I mean, um, there are some bigger firms that obviously have massive overheads, and they're they're expenses are a lot higher than perhaps if you're in a smaller area or a rural firm. Um, so that definitely can range, but that's actually the national average that people would be spending on those things. Um, yeah, it's, it's really sad to see. Um, you know, and for me, I think besides the financial impact, the massive impact is that it's just having on their families, on their kids. Mm. Um, you know, there's statistics out there about the effect that, you know, fighting parents has on, on the children. Um, you know, it's just... Um, as a parent, <laughs> it's a horrible thing um, for your children to suffer. And sadly, that's what's happening to a lot of the children that are seeing, if, you know, parents that are fighting. The couples that I see that work through this process and are really kind and respectful to each other don't have to love each other anymore. But if they can be kind, the impact of that on their children is amazing. Their children are much more relaxed. The anxiety levels are down. All those sorts of things are just the the impact of you really choosing kindness and um, in, in your separate it'll have on you it'll have on your children it'll have on your bank account all those sorts of things so yeah and yeah. In leading by example in front of the children and demonstrating that that even if things don't work out you can still work through them amicably is such a powerful life lesson um for, for yeah. any parent to teach their children yeah and Rachel, can I mention one other thing just briefly on that topic? Um, sometimes, obviously, people find it hard to find the right lawyer. Um, I'm actually part of a group called The Kind Lawyers. I did mention being finding a kind lawyer. Um, we actually have a group known as The Kind Lawyers, and our um, aim is to get that message out there to people that we need to, you know, the lawyers as well as the clients need to focus on how they're responding in their behaviour and walking people through these more peaceful methods rather than, you know, looking down litigation or negative pathways. Okay. Well, we'll ensure that we have that link also in the show notes. Look, this has been a really insightful and helpful chat, no doubt, for um, everyone watching and listening and lots of food for thought and and always looking at, um, I guess, the situation with light and love about how we can actually approach these situations as peaceful as possible. So for anyone watching and listening, if you were to summarise your key messages, what would they be? Um, look, my key messages, I think, hopefully I've made it clear now, is kindness. I think kindness um, and, you know, being caring um, and understanding in a separation is one of the biggest things you can do for yourself and for everyone around you. And also picking your team, you know, pick the right people to support you, to give you the legal advice, to walk you through the process. Um, it's so important and it'll change your life if you can choose the right people. 
Okay, wonderful. And if parents have got any questions for you and or want to grab a copy of your book, whereabouts can they find you? Um, look, the best place is probably just my website, which is www.flourishfamilylaw.com.au. And that has the links to my book um, and, and all my, my other resources if people want to use. And there's a few free downloadables and things like that on there as well. So. Perfect. We'll have all of that, that information in the show notes. Thanks so much for your time today and stay safe. Take care. Thank you. Thank okay. you. Bye. I'm Rachel Monteleone and you've been listening to Kiddypedia, the podcast. You can have full access to Kiddypedia by visiting our website at kiddypedia.com.au or following us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter and YouTube. We're all here to help make the world a better place for our children and for generations to come. You can start today by helping us reach other parents by going to Apple Podcast, subscribe, rate and review this podcast. Thank you for listening and be sure to give my love to the kids.